You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, help me convince the person next to you that the privilege for them to sit next to you is tell them. <laughs> I know you prayed to sit next to me today. All right. All right, uh, let's start from Acts chapter 19 and verse 2. Just want to read very simple scripture, the Acts 19 and verse 2. Um, by the way, yesterday was the 3rd of December, right? So, so LifePoint was 11 months old last yesterday. Yeah, so thank everyone, every single person who works at LifePoint, who comes to LifePoint. Uh, we trust God that what he's doing here um, will shift a whole generation in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Acts chapter 19, uh, we can read from verse 1, if you be kind enough to put it up. Um, and it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And verse 3, he said, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism, verse 4 says, Then Paul says, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who will come after him. Now that is on Christ Jesus. And verse 5 says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 6, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 that we read, Jesus starts this conversation about the Holy Spirit with his disciples. And you must understand, you know, let's contemplate for a minute, what was Jesus to his disciples? It was, it was a lot of things. So just put yourself in that frame. You had been working with Jesus for a couple of years and, and, you know, he was their provider. So whenever, they, they didn't even, after a while, they knew that, let's just head out, you know, into the crusade ground. When we're hungry, the master was sort of, he was the one who was their deliverer. If they entered a boat and the boat was misbehaving, after that time, Peter walked on water. They, they knew that Jesus had the boat. They knew. So you know, it was a lot of things to them. It was their comforter. He was their counselor. He will teach externally. Then they will come back and they will say, Jesus, look, what do these things mean? And then so he would then begin to explain. So he was like their coach, he was a counselor. You know, he would give them, you know, he was the one who gave them the inner story. So when he had finished, you know, teaching people outside, he would come and just tell, let me tell you what the inner story was. He was, he was, he, he told them what was happening in heaven. He was their leader. He would give them instructions. You know, he would say, this is how we are going. And, you know, just picture yourself as part, part of Jesus' crew. It was a feel-good feeling. You know, there's a way after, you know, when they started, people didn't take them serious, yeah? But after we've healed a couple of people, just, so just imagine, Femi, right? That we're coming, we're disciples, yeah? And we're just leaving Lazarus's house after Jesus just finished healing Lazarus. Ha! we will be walking. You know, it, there's a, you know, just imagine, you know, there's a way we walk. People say, as we're going, people like, ah, oh, that's Idris and Femi. Jesus, Jesus just healed Lazarus. You know, the way you wave at people, as if you just won the Grammys. Just, just, there's a confidence with which you do certain things. You know, there's, it, it was their inspiration. He had painted for them this, this guy used to be fishermen. And Jesus had changed their lives. 
nowhere, they, they went anywhere, just any small thing, look, look, I will take you to Jesus. You know, people came to them when they wanted to talk to Jesus. Their lives had changed. And then suddenly Jesus begins this story about how he's going somewhere that they cannot go. Essentially hinting that he was going to die. And so you can imagine the despondency, just the, the sense of, why do, you, why, why do you take us, I was kindly just fishing. Then why do you start, the, that's why Peter at the point would say, you're not, you're not going anywhere, man. Not because he won't love Jesus. No, he was like, I have to defend my destiny. You're not going anywhere, Jesus. Nobody's taking you away. Um, and Jesus begins to say to them in John 14, he says, look, I have to go so that another helper will come. In fact, you know, I was asking myself during the week, so what would I do if I had one hour with Jesus? So let me ask you, what would you, what would you do if you had one hour with Jesus? Just one hour, just you and Jesus alone, just one hour. <laughs> Let him answer you now, what would you, what would you ask him? What, <laughs> what would you ask him? No, and it's interesting, someone just says, ah, <laughs> ah, I'll spend the five minutes in, first five minutes in worship, just five minutes in worship. <laughs> I'll schedule five minutes worship at the beginning, five minutes at the end for worship. Then, what will you ask him? What kind of questions? No, I'm serious. What will you ask him? What will you? I know none of you will ask him about Nigeria. No, you won't even, <laughs> you won't even pray for me. You just sit that straight. Lord, this is what I want. No, but, and this is an important question because there's a way you can imagine that personal, you and Jesus alone time. Uh, but it's important for this discussion about the Holy Spirit. So in John 14, 26 to 27, Jesus says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it will teach you all things. It will remind you of everything I have said. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. In fact, if we we'll go back to verse 16 of John 14, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And it depends on what translation you have. One translation will say helper. One will say comforter. To help you and be with you. Verse 17 says, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. It says, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. 18, it's very important. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you read the Amplified Version, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, or counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you. And so Jesus' promise to his disciples and to us, in effect, is that, look, I'm heading out. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going. But it says there is a replacement there is a replacement. Because if Jesus, if, I mean, if it was, to, you know, I, I, I often wonder if it was today, if, if I was in, I know that, I know that if I was born in this Bible, I would have been one of the disciples. I know it. I can sense it. I know it. Me or God. 
I don't know about Yinda, but Femi would have been disciples. I know it. I just, I just know it in my heart. So when you, you know, but, but Jesus is kind of promising them that, look, essentially the same, whatever I was to you now, there will be no vacancy. So when you think of your life and you say, what would my life be if Jesus was driving with me down the lake he road every, sun, every morning when I was going to work? If Jesus was heading into office with me, there, there was a promise but you will not have that gap. And, and so um, the word there when he says helper is the, is the word parakletos, okay? And it simply speaks of these different dimensions. And what we will do over the next couple of weeks is we would, we would look at, you know, this different... So one Sunday we'll come to church and, and just talk about the Holy Spirit as a counselor. One Sunday we'll come to church and talk about the Holy Spirit as our strengthener. One Sunday we'll talk about him as um, the spirit of truth and what it means to be in that place of truth. Um, Bible scholars will tell you that the word there, another, was the word alos, A-L-L-O-S. And they say to you that there are two words used for another in the Bible. There's one that speaks of another of a different kind, and that this one specifically speaks of another of the same kind. And that what Jesus was saying here was that I would send you another helper of the same kind as I am. And this is very important for us as a church. So um, we said that the Christian faith, our life, is um, a promise of transformation. Now I know that as people who live in modern day Lagos, anytime we talk about change, transformation, your mind goes somewhere, bring it back, okay? <laughs> um, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, I've always liked that scripture, when they're trying to get a king for Israel, um, apostles, uh, prophet Samuel says to Saul, who is just identified as the person God wants to be king of Israel at the time, if you read 1 Samuel 10, 6 to 7, it says, The Spirit of God will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. It says, Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. So, there's this picture of transformation in the faith. And there's this person of the Holy Spirit who I like to call the transformer that I want us to just talk about very quickly. Um, so what are the things, you know, if you read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, what are the things that um, God promises us that the Holy Spirit will help us change? One, he talks a lot about truth. He talks a lot about the fact that the Holy Spirit will bring us from a place where we do not know truth to a place where we will come to know truth. That transformation is guaranteed, is promised in Scripture. He speaks about the fact that we will come from a place of pain to a place of comfort. I think there's a Scripture in Isaiah 61 that speaks about the after effects. The Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach. 
And then he begins to speak about appointing beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise, instead of the spirit of heaviness. Um, there's light. There's revelation. There is us moving from blindness, a place where we do not know what God wants us to do, or even understand what God is doing, to a place where we get to revelation. We understand things. So Paul, in Ephesians 1, will call the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. So there's us moving from sin to righteousness. I think it's in John 15 where he speaks about the Holy Spirit will come. He will convict the world of sin, you know. And there's that working of righteousness and enabling us to move from a place where essentially we are slaves to sin. I think Paul speaks about that in Romans. To a place where we are slaves to righteousness. And um, you look at the life of the disciples from a place where they are timid and unable to do the things that God had called them to do to a place where they are bold. They are not necessarily aggressive, but they are bold and able to stand before thousands of people or whatever else God has called them to do. So we, we all come to Jesus in different shapes and sizes and states. Um, I, I like to say that, look, you can come to God as you are, but you cannot come to God on your own terms. So you can come to God as you are, but you cannot come to God on your own terms. Um, when we come to God, there are things about our Christian faith and our walk with God that are easier for some people than they are for others. Some of you, when we say fast, you are a faster you just you fast naturally. You don't, some of you, you, you just are fasting. No problem. How many days? How many weeks? You just fast. Some of you, when they say fast, as if we ask you to be poisoned, you just, you are shaking. You are, you are unable to concentrate. Some of you are very disposed to discipline. When we say quiet time, so how many minutes? Okay, just wake up in the morning. Just, some of you, is a struggle. You, you, you hold your Bible, you look at it. That's, you know, it's, it's a struggle. Some of you are uh, very disposed towards love. Some of us are very disciplined, but when it comes to love, it, it's, it's work in progress, right? Um, and we are all work in progress in different things. All of us are work in progress as children of God. Um, so, there's a, I think it was January when we're talking about faith and talking about the me 2.0. There is a better version of me ahead. Um, so the person that I am becoming, this came my heart and I wrote it in my note. The person I'm becoming is more important to God than the things I'm acquiring. The person I'm becoming is more important to God than the things I'm acquiring. And when you look at the promise of transformation that Jesus puts before the church, that our faith puts before us, a lot of it is about us as people. Things are greatly important, but it's less about the things. So the truth is, when you're, if your circumstances change, but you don't change as a person, you tend to reduce the circumstances to who you are. And... My big charge to us as a church today is that the Holy Spirit is the transformer. He's the one who God has sent in Jesus' place 
to achieve all this work of transformation. Um, for someone, I need to encourage you um, because you've kind of had a bad place where you think this, this, this is all there is to you as a person. There's a much better version of you ahead. God has changed more stubborn people before. We're going to ask Saul. He has changed people who had worse stories. He has changed people who had worse reputation. Let me nudge the person next to you and tell them, the Holy Spirit wants to change you. <laughs> I mean, of course, I know that there's this one or two people here who think you've arrived and you think you're in your perfect state. Okay? I assure you that the Holy Spirit wants to change you. The Holy Spirit has a time-proven ability to transform human lives into eternal testimonies. So when we sing songs about what God does, when we sing um, Onishe, Yanu, and all that, we think of with all awesome wonders. How often do you think about these wonders as you, as a person? So Ephesians, Apostle Paul says, we are the workmanship of God. So you are the one God is working on. It's working on your circumstances, but he's really more interested in working in your life. Um, anybody who knew me 25, 30 years ago, and if you've been in church 11 months, you probably have heard different parts of my story. I've told the story about how there were seasons in my life when I was really not happy. Well, let's scratch that. I was very sad and very depressed for different reasons. That's before I met Ogo. And then she changed my life. Okay. <laughs> story, 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 story. I was just, I was just guaranteeing my lunch. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Relax. It was a, you changed a part of me. It was just not, <laughs> for the Holy Spirit, just vexed. Ah, Idris, what do you say? Okay. And, um, and I have seen how uh, I got born again in 95. I remember sitting in, in um, a room at the hostel in Uniben and trying to pray, read my Bible and pray one morning. And then as I was praying, the Holy Spirit came on me and I started speaking in tongues. And I was really confused. And, and I would stop. <laughs> and then I would start praying again. I start speaking in tongues. And then, you know, then I stopped praying. And then went and remember talking to a guy, Uche, later. And I said, Uche, this is what has happened. And he says, oh, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I remember how over the next couple of years, God changed my story from being a sad, depressed person to a person who is a, you know, a lot happier, at least. God has lived with me now for a couple of years. So I'm, I'm, a, lot, I'm a lot happier, a lot, lot happier. If you'd know me 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it's been very shy. I'm not, am I at 40? I'm not 40 yet. Okay, sorry, sorry. sorry. It's okay now. Hey, relax. It's not a political campaign. Non-fact check. Relax. Relax. Almost 40. I'm almost 40. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you put on me to be 40. Yeah? <laughs> All right. Um, so when I they put the WhatsApp group together for my class from, from secondary school, and I get this comment every now and then, so who, who is Idris? <laughs> like Idris, Idris, the, 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 and I sometimes have, I find myself explaining to people on my group, Idris now is in, 
Because honestly, I was shy. I was quiet. I was antisocial. Um, and that I didn't stand in front of you today to share on Sunday morning. Big miracle. Big miracle. Um, I've talked in church at different times about struggling with sin. We've talked about struggling with masturbation before. So it's not a surprise to you. I've told you this before, right? I've told you this before, church. Why are you looking at me? Why are you judging me? Relax. <laughs> Relax. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not coming to this church again. Sorry, oh, don't vex, so oh. That's the way God did it. <laughs> All right, I've told you that story before. And to the point where I can then come and we help people as part of a church and we help people deal with, you know, recovering from addictions. All that transformation in my life the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so when we talk about the Holy Spirit this month, you know, so Jesus is saying this is exactly what would have happened if I was standing beside Idris 24-7. If when I woke up in the morning, I walked past Jesus. Ah, Jesus, good morning. Do you sleep well? I say, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, a bit noisy. Your neighbor's generator was making noise. Let's tell Jesus, shut it down, Jesus. You can do it. And, um, and, um, and if he then says, where are you going to them? Going to work. Oh, let's head out together. All that, in, but you can just imagine how mind-blowing it is. The influence of just having Jesus walk around with you. If Jesus was driving with me, I wouldn't be worried all these people are driving anyhow on the road. First, I will comport myself a bit better than I do nowadays. But it's a sense of peace. And knowledge that nothing can go wrong. It, just constantly asking him questions. There's a way, what would I ask him? And he says to us, I would not leave you as orphans. I would not leave you desolate, alone. And so, you know, as we start this discussion, my charge to us is to resist the temptation to build a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Because the logic of the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is not an option. Uh, it's when we're praying for the service today, I said to them, look, there's a way Christians become frustrated. When you read Galatians chapter 5, he speaks about the war between the spirit and the flesh. And it doesn't answer to age. So when I started, I read Acts 19, where a couple of Christians had been part of the church, but did not know the Holy Spirit. And I know that worrying feeling you can have as a Christian when things are not lining up when you can feel the flesh winning the battle in your life. So the temptation to build your Christian lives without the Holy Spirit is a real one, but it's not an option that we can take. I know that very few of us, and I'm not saying you must or should, can actually go on social media and just write, the Holy Spirit is my helper, because you know the kind of responses you will get. You know, your polite friends will put a smiley face the strangers on your timeline or whatever, just ask, you know, there's a way you know that it's not popular or nice. Don't just tell someone, ah, Siri, the Holy Spirit has just been helping me. You know, there's a way she just roll her eyes. Mm -mm, spiritual, you know. There's a way, even in church, when people come and say, the Holy Spirit just told me, just like, eh, ha, ha. But, but this is what God promises us. And not just a passive, make me feel good feeling. And we'll talk about that, you know, because, because there's a way you can 
you sometimes you know when the presence of God is here. But the Holy Spirit is bigger than a feeling. For some people, they feel a, a tingling sensation on their hands. Some people just feel that. Some people just fall down while the rest of us judge them. And like, ah, ah, roll on the floor, roll well, you know. <laughs> but, but God deals with us in different ways. But he's a lot, there's the transformation that happens in the life of a Christian. And it's such emptiness. So Paul writing, he says, people who have the form of faith, but deny, a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And so, I just want to charge us as a church. We cannot. I don't know where you are in your Christian faith. Some people, uh, like Nene, have been born again for a while. They're apostles in training. You know, they speak. Their tongues have different levels and types. That's fine. No problem. Some of us are younger Christians. Okay? But we cannot build our Christian faith without the Holy Spirit. Because there's transformation that is promised in the word. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces, as we look on God, are transformed from one level to another. And says, even by the Spirit of God. So what are the things I want us to just focus on in this season? Very easy. Very easy. Um, in Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, there's something called the upper room experience. And you've all heard about this before. But we'll start from there today, okay? Acts chapter 1. So Jesus heads up after promising them. And um, there is something about obedience to God's instruction, obedience to the word. Because in Acts chapter 1, he says to them uh, from verse 3 or 4 on from verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, they then ask him a couple of questions. Um, it says, then the, those gathered around him asked, says, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So obedience to God is important in this. But let me ask your neighbor, have you been to the upper room? Uh, help me ask them now. So have you been to the upper room? <laughs> because I assure you that, you know, spending time in the upper room is more important than spending time in the other room. You know, <laughs> very important. And, and in this season, there's an upper room experience. So on, on Thursday, for example, we'll be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't even know what it's about. You know somebody who's not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Bring them to church on Thursday, so 6.30. And we'll talk about that and we'll pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I love the fact that, you know, the disciples 
took Jesus for his word. So when it comes to our walk with the Holy Spirit, there's, it's a walk of faith. Because the day we teach about how to be led by the Holy Spirit, we realize that it's a huge walk of faith. It's a huge walk of faith. Because it, the Holy Spirit will lead us in ways that do not even necessarily have physical manifestation. So when we say, you know, uh, um, you know, the Christian walk is by faith, it's a lot because a lot about it is spiritual. It's not sin. But there's that obedience to the instructions and reliance on God's word. So this season is one thing that we need to keep in focus. Obedience. So the disciples, when Jesus told them this, could have decided, look, come, we had a good run for three and a half years. We tried. We did well. It ended disastrously. Why, why do we want to go through this all over again? Why do we then want to go and hang out, you know, go and stay in some place and not knowing how things will turn out? What, what happened? Acts chapter 2, as I put this you know, together, says, and from verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rush, of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, I like the fact that, you know, the very first thing about the day of Pentecost that is noted here is the fact that they were all with one accord in one place. And, and, and I say this to us as a church and to us as individuals, is to be very careful about maintaining what we call the unity of the faith in this season. Um, Ephesians 4, when you read uh, verse 1 down, but especially in verse 3, Ephesians 4, Apostle Paul will speak about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so that the operations of the Holy Spirit find greater expression when we refuse to invest in strife and um, we sponsor that which keeps the body together. I strongly doubt that the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost would have come if, yes, they were in the upper room, but they were squabbling and fighting and quarreling on the day. I strongly doubt it. I strongly doubt it. And so for you as a person, there are things that God wants to do in your life, especially as regards transformation. And I have a lot to do with your ability to understand that this is a body um, and you sponsor that which keeps or which makes for cohesion in the body. It's Psalm 133 where he says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Um, the last thing I like was, you know, um, the fact that, you know, obviously there was something about waiting on God, and we'll talk about it a bit more. Just creating time for God. For crying out loud, what these guys were doing did not have immediate commercial value. When you go and wait in the upper room for somebody who has, has you saw him, so what it is, you saw him going up to heaven. If you were skeptical or cynical like me, you would have been like, so 
why did God not just take all of us to heaven at the same time? Why leave us here? It's a setup. It's one of those alphabetical schemes where things, you know, some people go up and they leave the rest of you down. And they stayed obeying God's instruction in one accord and just waited on God. It had no immediate commercial value. And so sometimes you'll go for a prayer meeting. Sometimes you will decide to spend a bit more time studying scripture. And people ask you, why, why are you doing this? Sometimes in this season, you will decide that you're going to spend a bit more time and just worship. Sometimes you say, ah, you know, I, I'm going to spend one hour and just pray in this season. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, you'll understand why some of these things are important. And it's that investment in God and we see an experience of Pentecost. All right? So, church, I strongly believe that you can live, you can have a um, you can just have one of those Christian lives which is in, it's just a religious experience. I know this, I've seen it happen. Just a religious experience. Just let me get by. Just let me try. You can come to church. In fact, you can sing some of the songs. The ones you don't know, you just hum, and you know, we, we move on. Um, you can even you know, say the Christian words. It is well. We thank God. You can even become more sophisticated to know when the preacher is preaching a good message and when the message is really not on point. You can even develop to the place where you are sophisticated enough to know when to interject with the Christian. Mm. You don't know that one. Mm. So sometimes when the pastor says something, you're like, hmm, hmm. You guys don't do it in your church? You're not deep yet. When you're deep, <laughs> you get to a place where, you know, it's just everything. There's this, so do you know that your interaction with the sermon is from within? Hmm, 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 hmm. One day I have to teach you guys how that is done. But you can do all that and yet have an empty core because your interaction with the Holy Spirit, who is the transformer, is not there. I know the frustration of being Christian but not seeing all those promises. I know how it feels when I can't see God at work in my life. And I know how it feels when I can see God at work in my life. And I was preparing, this was strong in my heart. I said it before, I'm just going to repeat it for someone's sake. So what God is doing in you, the person that you are becoming, is a hundred times more important than the things that he's trying to get to you. Much more important. So your character, your person, the beautiful things about you that God is trying to do are typically not outside. I know you want a Range Rover, but the kind of technology that God is trying to show forth that he's wired within your destiny is much better than a Range Rover. I know you want um, an iPhone 7. Yes? Is it an iPhone 7? <laughs> um, but, you know, God has more awesome things. For some of us, <laughs> how do I describe this? Your work with God has more value than money. Um, 
and, and so money will be a byproduct of your walk with God. And, and this is in my heart, I will say it. There's someone who God will give a song. The song will bring tons of money. Typically, I would look at this side because that's where the band is, but just in case my wife is on this side, so I'll just... <laughs> but the song will bring you tons of... So my point is, you see, the best worship songs were not written for money. They're typically written out of a place of experience with God. It's, your, it's the overflow. So the person that you are becoming, this is not the final you. Um, this morning, as I was praying about it, I was like, oh my goodness. There's people who have underestimated how much God wants to transform even their personalities, even their reputation, even the way they think, even the way we react to things, even how much joy we carry. Yeah. Um, I was saying to the leaders last week that life has, the speed of life, life has doubled. Oh, yeah. And that's so... Now, by the time we're 25, 30, typically we've experienced what people used to experience when they were 40, 50. In those days when you were 25, 30, you didn't have a care in the world. Now, by the time you're 21, man, especially in Lagos, help me um, encourage the person next to you and tell them, uh, do you know the Holy Spirit? <laughs> if I could, and that's the picture in my heart this morning is praying is you know a crowd of people around you and you know um, when people want to introduce themselves to you and um, sometimes they're just waiting for the crowd to for there to be a space in the crowd in your social interaction and that's the picture I have that the transformer is looking for chance you know so wake up in the morning on social media, fantastic to know what's happening. Um, and we spend our time in different things, which we should do. But it's that amount of time that we then devote to the Holy Spirit because he's the one who has the power to transform us. Um, next, so Thursday, we talk about the upper room. I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, please come. Let's, I mean, so it's not... Trust me, it's nothing spooky. Nobody's going to drag you on the floor, shake you, no, nothing like that. We'll just share the word, explain what it is, and we'll worship and we'll pray. And that's exactly what happens. Um, next Sunday, I will speak about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in advocacy. Um, um, if you want to read Acts 1 and Acts 2, so it's a good place to start. But today, I don't know who wants to spend a couple of minutes and just, just pray. Worship, pray, worship, pray. And just, you know, let's start from thanking God for the Holy Spirit. Thanking God for our faith. Thanking God for our lives. And just say, Holy Spirit, you know, change me. Change whatever needs to be changed. I make space for you. I make room for you in my life, in this week. Um, I want to have an upper room experience this week. I want to hear your word, hear your instructions, and respond from the depths of my heart. Um, I, I want to leave the fullness, the fullness of the Christian life, the fullness of the Christian life. I, I do not want to try and do this by myself. I think it's Zechariah who says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. Follow me, please, can you come? Let's sing a song. So just go ahead and just pray, just pray. I don't know, you know, at what point uh, something sparked in your heart, something resonated, just pray. You know, just Thank you just for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.